This podcast may contain paid advertisements, but more on that later. Welcome to the O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast, where I discuss the nuts and bolts of business and leadership, with a focus on bootstrapping a business from the ground up. This podcast is for all entrepreneurs, bootstrappers, and leaders in all walks of life. My goal is to help you grow both personally and professionally. I am your host, Isaiah O'Connor. Okay, everyone, I've decided I'm not going to be doing too much in the way of sponsorship spots. In the future, I might throw in a sponsorship or or call out a book for, say, Audible or something like that, but I'm not going to make a normal, average, everyday sponsorship spot. If you guys like my show, if you find it useful, great, I'm happy. If you like it and you feel like donating or visiting one of the sponsors and the links, great, cool, you know what to do. But other than that, I'm just really hope you find value in this content. And if you want to help out, then that's great. At least for now. So yes, I do still have sponsors. And yes, the sponsors will still be on my webpage. It'll still be in the description. And I still may mention a sponsor from time to time. It's especially if it happens to be relevant to the subject I am talking about, but I'm going to lay off the normal opening right into a sponsorship spot, so I'm just not going to bother. So let's get into this, shall we? Now, so today I'm going to read a, a little note. I guess something that kind of went viral before the computers were ever an idea. This little message, a little background on it. This is a little essay. And it was published by Albert Hubbard in 1899 in the Philistine. And I'm just reading here. And the essay created such a sensation that the Hubbard published it as a booklet with additional background and Commentary. Now you can go and find the full background and commentary and everything else online. But I'm going to start reading with this. And by the way, I heard this first myself today by listening to Mike Rose podcast. So I will be at least the second, probably not the last or only one to read this message from 1899 because it's highly applicable. So, yeah, I'm going to jump right into this. In all this Cuban business, there's one man stands out on the horizon of my memory, like Mars at Perihelion. When war broke out between Spain and the United States, it was very necessary to communicate quickly with the leader of the insurgents. Garcia was somewhere in the mountains, vastness of Cuba, no one knew where, No mail nor telegraph message could reach him. The president must secure his cooperation and quickly. What to do? Someone said to the president, There's a fellow by the name of Rowan. We'll find Garcia for you, if anyone can. Rowan was sent for and given a letter to be delivered to Garcia. How? The fellow by the name of Rowan took the letter, sealed it up in an oilskin pouch, strapped it over his heart, 
in four days, landed by night off the coast of Cuba from an open boat, disappeared into the jungle, and in three weeks came out on the other side of the island, having traversed a hostile country on foot and delivered his letter to Garcia, are things I have no special desire now to tell in detail. The point I wish to make is this. McKinley gave Rowan a letter to be delivered to Garcia. Rowan took the letter and did not ask, Where is he at? By the eternal, there is a man whose form should be cast in deathless bronze and statues placed in every college of the land. It's not about book learning young men need or instruction about this and that, but a stiffening of the vertebrae which will cause them to be loyal to a trust, to act promptly, concentrate their energies, do the thing, carry a message to Garcia. General Garcia is dead now, but then are other Garcias. No man has endeavored to carry out an enterprise. Sorry. Where many lands were needing, many hands were needing needed, but there has been well nigh applied, appalled at many times by the imbecility of the average man, the inability or unwillingness to concentrate on a thing and do it, slipshod assistance, foolish attention, dowdy indifference, and half-hearted work seem to be the rule, and no man succeeds unless by hook or crook or threat he forces or bribes other men to assist him, or mayhap God in his goodness performs a miracle and sends him an angel of light, for are sitting now in your office, six clerks are within call. Summon any of them and make this request. Please look in the encyclopedia and make a brief memorandum for me concerning the life of Caragio. Will the clerk quietly say, yes, sir? and go do the task? On your life, he will not. He will look you out of a fishy eye and ask one of the, or more of the following questions. Who was he? Which encyclopedia? Where is the encyclopedia? Was I hired for that? Don't you be in Bismarck? What's the matter with Charlie doing it? Is he dead? Is there any hurry? Shouldn't I bring you the book and let you look it up yourself? What do you want to know for? And I will lay you ten to one that after you've answered the question and explained how to find the information and why you want it, the clerk will go off and get one of the other clerks to help him to try to find Garcia. And then come back and tell you there is no such man. Or Garcia. Of course I may lose my bet, but according to the law of average, I will not. Now, if you are wise, you'll bother to explain that your assistant that Correggio is indexed under the C's, not in the K's. Uh, but you will smile sweetly and say, never mind, and go look it up yourself. And this incapacity for independent action, this moral stupidity, this infirmity of the will, this unwillingness to cheerfully catch hold and lift are the things that we put pure socialism so far into the future. If man will not act for themselves, what will they do when the benefit of their efforts is for all? A first mate with knotted club seems necessary, and the dread of getting the bounce Saturday night holds many a worker in his place. Advertise for a stenographer, and nine out of ten who apply can neither spell nor punctuate, and do not think it necessary to. Can such a one write a letter to Garcia? You see, that 
Bookkeeper, said the foreman to me in a large factory. Yes, what about him? Well, he's a fine accountant, but if I'd send him up town on an errand, he might accomplish the errand all right, and on the other hand, might stop at four saloons on the way, and when he got to Main Street, would forget what he had been sent for. Can such a man be entrusted to carry a message to Garcia? We have been recently hearing much maudlin sympathy expressed for the downtrodden denizens of the sweatshop and the homeless wanderers searching for honest employment, and with it often many hard words from the men in power. Nothing is said about the employer who grows old before his time in vain attempt to get frowsy ne'er-do-wells to do intelligent work and his long patient striving with help that does nothing but loaf when his back is turned. In every store and every factory, there's a constant weeding out process going on. The employer is constantly sending away help that have shown their incapacity to further the interests of the business, and others are being taken on. No matter how good times are, the sorting continues. Only if times are bad and work is scarce, the sorting is done finer, but out and forever out, the incompetent and unworthy go. It is the survival of the fittest. Self-interest prompts every employer to keep the best, those who can carry, a message to Garcia. I know one man of really brilliant parts who has not the ability to manage a business of his own, and yet who is absolutely worthless to anyone else, because he carries with him consistently the insane suspicion that his employer is oppressing or intending to oppress him. He cannot give orders and will not receive them. Should a message be given to take to Garcia, his answer would probably be, Take it yourself. Tonight this man walks the streets looking for work, the wind whistling through his threadbare coat. No one knows who knows him dare employ him, for he is a regular firebrand of discontent. He is impervious to reason, and the only thing that can impress him is the toe of a thick-soled number nine boot. Of course, I know that the one so morally deformed is no less to be pitied than a physical cripple. But in our pitying, let us drop a tear too for the man who are starting to carry on a great enterprise, whose working hours are not limited by the whistle, and whose hair is fast turning white through the struggle to hold in line dowdy indifference, slipshod imbecility, and the heartless ingratitude, which, but for their enterprise, would be both hungry and hopeless. Have I put the matter too strongly? Possibly. I have. But, when all the world has gone to slumming, I wish to speak a word of sympathy for the man who succeeds, the man who, against great odds, has directed the efforts of others, and having succeeded, find there's nothing in it, nothing but bare board and clothes. I have carried a dinner pail and worked for a day's wages. I have also been an employer of labor, and I know there is something said on both sides. There is no excellence, per se, in poverty. Rags are no recommendation. And all employers are not rapacious and high-handed any more than all poor men are virtuous. My heart goes out to the man who does his work when the boss is away as well as when he is at home. And the man who, when given a letter for Garcia, quietly takes the missive without asking any idiotic questions and with no lurking intention of chucking it in the nearest sewer or of doing aught but deliver it, never gets laid off or has to go on strike for higher wages. Civilization is one long anxious search for just such individuals. 
anything such a man asks shall be granted. This kind is so rare that no employer can afford to let him go. He is wanted in every city, town, and village, in every office, shop, store, and factory. The world cries out for such he is needed and needed badly. The man who can carry a message to Garcia. The end. Now, let me jump back here a little bit. The guy who wrote this was a socialist. That's why I mentioned socialism. Interesting. He saw both sides of the story here, which is kind of interesting on that end. But also, it's very much true. I've seen this so many times in so many different jobs that you get people coming through work and it's really hard to get them to, well, do their job. And sometimes you have to babysit them and sometimes they can't operate on their own. And you spend more time babysitting the employee than actually getting work done. And I've worked with individuals like this, and it's a problem. It's not fun. Now, as an entrepreneur, you are probably the type of person that would just take the message and go. You could carry a message to Garcia. Now, this was a, kind of a both for employers and employees type of thing, too. Again, Mike Rowe introduced this because of a question somebody asked him. And as an employer, one thing they mentioned there is you provide for them to eat and a roof over their head. You are helping them out. Again, I'm always about the value, both ends. But your employees need to bring you value as well. Now, you, that's why you hire them. You always hire employees because you need their value. You need to hire employees that are valuable. You need to hire employees that can bring a message to Garcia. Matter of fact, there is one problem with these employees. The problem with these employees is that they might not last with you very long. Not because they're bad, but because they are so good, you may not be able to afford to keep them. Now, I have one employee now. I've been fortunate to rehire my employee. My business is starting to come out of the coma. I'm working a lot, so I have work for my employee. Now, this kid is a great kid. He can carry a message to Garcia. I've been so blessed with this guy. He does the job. He does it well. He only asks details that he needs because I'm still training him a little bit. But he's really willing to just go and do it. And as long as I get him pointed in the wrong, right direction, not wrong, point him in the right direction, he gets up and he goes and he does an amazing job Every single time. I've been highly blessed. So when you're hiring, this is the type of attitude you're looking for. Now, here's something interesting. Somewhere in there, I don't remember where, he talks about where skills are one thing, but the work ethic is different. Somewhere in there, I can't remember exactly the line. But... Interestingly enough, in the book, Good to Great, and I might as well throw it in, if you go to audible.com to get it, use my code, bootstrap with capital B, it'll help the show. But I wasn't planning on mentioning it, but in that book, you can go get the book, you don't have to use my promo code, whatever. 
great book, good to great. One of the key things they talked about was Nucor Steel. Now, when they started their steel factories, they they put their steel factories out in farmland and hired farmers to work and kids who grew up on farms, etc. Because you see, you can teach a farmer how to make steel. You can teach anybody how to do pretty much anything. But what you cannot teach is a farmer's work ethic. And in the book, they say something along the lines of farmers have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning because they have to be out at 5 o'clock. They have to milk the cows. They have to get the eggs. They have to go plant the north 40 acres. They work really, really hard. They come back in. It's 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night. They eat some food. They go to bed. They get up and they do it again. And if you hire a person with that type of work ethic, instead of getting up and go milking the cows, they get up and they go roll some steel. They go get out and they prep some sheet metal. Whatever it is they do, they just go and they work really, really hard. So when you are hiring, you want to find a person with a really strong work ethic. A person who you might not be able to afford to keep. Now, when I say that, I know this from experience. My guy, his name's Eirek, by the way. He's Norwegian, so Eirek, not Eric. Slight difference. But this kid, he was amazing. And a couple of years ago, he was in school, and he had to quit. Not because he didn't like working for me, not because I didn't like him working for me, but because, well, he needed more money than I could pay him. He needed more work that I could offer. If I had enough work for him, if I could have given him a full-time position and not just an on-call position, he might have stayed. But seeing how I didn't have the work available for him, I was actually in the middle of losing some business, losing some customers. Um, I He had to go, and I had to say goodbye. Kept in touch because he's just a great employee. Kept in touch on occasion, would say, hi, how you doing? All this stuff. And the other thing is, he had to leave not just because of school, but because he went off to do a foreign exchange program off in Spain. Couldn't stick around very much to do that. So, he was gone, then he moved back to his home city. But then I got a message from him a couple weeks ago very timely, and he said, hey, I'm back in Christiansand. I'm like, oh, very cool. Christiansand's the town I live in, by the way. Very cool. Uh, we'll have to get together for a cup of coffee. And then my email box started going off, and I started getting phone calls, and I started getting a whole bunch of business that I couldn't keep up with. So I sent a message, hey, would you like to come back to work for me? I could use the help. And thankfully, he said yes. So now I have my guy to carry message to Garcia. Now I have my guy back. I'm very, very happy. He's doing a great job. And, of course, I self-direct him a little bit. He's a little rusty. It's been a couple of years. But he's the type of guy that I can rely on and trust. And he'll get the job done every time. So this guy, great kid. This is the type of kid you want to hire. because. 
he gets things done. Now, one thing he talks about here is all the questions and everything else. Sometimes, though, I will say this. Sometimes different employees handle situations differently. And I've talked about this before. I had these two guys that worked for me. They were named Doug and Andrew. And I always reverse the names, and they always tease me about it. But these guys were both great guys. They were both very, very hard workers. And one was the complete, total, just tell me to take the message, and I'll do it. The other guy, he, he, did, he wasn't too sure of himself. He wasn't very confident. But... He also wanted to do things right. He's very particular. Personality traits were different. And so if I told him to just run to the store and go pick up a couple of things for me and come back and do this, well, no, bad example, better example. If I told the one guy, I can't remember which was which, I think it was Andrew. If I told Andrew, hey, Andrew, can you please clean out and organize the toolbox? I come back about half an hour later, and he'd be sitting there completely frozen, not really have done much. I'm like, "What's going on? What's wrong?" He's like, "I I don't want to do it wrong. What what where do things go?" I'm like, "Oh well, you put the screws on this shelf. You put the screwdrivers here." And I'd explain to him, "Oh okay," and then he'd go, and I'd come back like 20 minutes later, and he'd be done. He worked very hard, very fast, very efficiently. He just needed step by step instruction because. His personality needed that guidance. And as time went on, if I asked him to do the job that he had already done before, he didn't need the instructions. He would just go do it. He just needed a little bit of a coach coaching to do so. And that was fine. And he worked really hard. Great guy. I had absolutely no problems with him whatsoever. And other guys worked for me that I did have problems with. He was not one of them. And Andrew, again, great guy working for me, and he was the opposite. I'd say, go clean out and organize the toolbox, and if I said, put this here, put this here, put this here, put this here, and I left, I'd come back, and he'd be so paralyzed as well. He'd be trying to move, but he'd be scared of making a mistake that the structure confined him, and he froze up. But if I just said, hey, just organize the toolbox and make it nice, I come back, he'd be done like in half an hour again and done to my satisfaction because he need that freedom. So remember, even with this, don't judge a person completely on this scale. It's looking at the work ethic. I think the biggest part here is looking at the person's work ethic. Are they a type of person to work really hard? Are they the type of person to go out and do the job and only ask questions if they absolutely need to? Because everyone still needs to learn. Everyone needs to be trained. There is, God gives some grace for understanding. Now, if you have an employee that's been with you for 10 years, they've done the job 30 times, and you tell them to go do it, and they come with you with a question, it's a problem. But if they're new, if they're young, you get a young kid. These guys were like 18 years old, 19 years old working for me. So, yeah, they were kind of young and green, which is fine. So you got to also look at other properties, but the biggest thing is look at their work ethic. Are they the type that if they had the confidence and the training, would they get that letter to Garcia? Would they go do it? And I think both of these guys, both Doug and Andrew, 
in this case, would have. Although the one would have been like, okay, um, can you just get me pointed in the general direction? Do I have a time frame to do it? Do, you know, put some, some parameters on there, he'd be fine. I wouldn't have to tell him how to do everything because obviously you couldn't tell him where to go because you couldn't find the guy. You couldn't find Garcia. But you could just say, hey, man, he's in Cuba. You got to find him. You've got such and such a budget. You've got such and such expenses, whatever. Just give him some details, and then he'd go and he'd do it and get it done. That's it. And nothing would stop him, and he'd go find him. He wouldn't complain. He wouldn't ask those questions. He'd ask questions like, okay, when does the ferry leave? When does the boat leave? Those types of things. Details that he would need to know. Because he'd have to figure it out. And of course, today, thankfully, a lot of these questions are all answered on the internet. Anyway. So, anyway, I'll leave with that. Try to find employees that are willing to work hard, carry a message to Garcia. And just remember, this podcast was inspired by Mark Rowe for a slightly different angle than I took it. But I thought this was an amazing little story. So go check it out. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. If you found value in this content, please leave a comment and give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform you use. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most other podcast platforms. If you would like to support us, you can check out our sponsor links, or if you would like to directly support the show, you can donate or join our membership program at buymeacoffee.com forward slash bootstrap. Of course, it really helps when you share these podcasts as well. If you would like to interact with me and other bootstrappers and leaders, you can join our O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast Facebook group. You have been listening to the O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast and Athos Business Solutions Podcast. For our companion podcast, the Athos Business Podcast, hosted by Jason St. Clair, past episodes, and related blogs, check out our website at www.athos.com, which is www. A T H E O Z dot com or A the Oz dot com. Until next time, I've been your friendly neighborhood entrepreneur, Isaiah O'Connor.